Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Today, we're going to have what I like to call a kiss episode, and it's not a heavy-necking episode by that means. It is a keep it simple, you silly goose. This episode is not heavy-necking, even though it is going to be shrouded with myself, Tectic, and... Me, Nerd Bomber. And why are we shrouding the episode? I don't know. It just, it sounded like, it sounded good. Is that is that not something people say? I have shrouded no idea. by other Sh- folks. Either way, we're going to keep it simple and we're going to try to get you all your topics in an efficient amount of time. Because so, Illegal is not here. He decided he was going to bail on us this week to go sip pina coladas and get lost in the rain. And he likes to talk about perspirant. So we figured, you know what? I don't know that, or rather the lack thereof perspirant. I don't know that our listeners want to listen to that. Instead... No personal hygiene talk this week. What we think you guys do, in fact, want to listen to is some news about the Stranger Things, the some Spider-Man Miles Morales trailer stuffs, and a PS5 portable news, which is going to be something quite, 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 quite interesting. Quite. Quite. So, before we get into this, however, I do just want to say I hope everyone had a happy Easter and... Happy Passover. And if you're if you're a Polish person, maybe maybe the good dingus type. And and just enjoying the beautiful weather. So without further ado, the first topic that we're gonna talk about, I'm gonna kick over to Nerd Bomber to handle. All right. So according to a report from Insider Gaming, there is a new claim that Sony is developing a PlayStation gaming handheld, which is the first time that they've had a handheld since the PlayStation Vita, I believe. And the kind of code name for this is the Q-Lite. And this is basically going to be designed to be a remote play handheld. So it won't be able to run games natively and you will need to use a PlayStation 5 in order to stream remote play from that console. It's not really even like cloud streaming. Like I know there are other devices like the Logitech device and even the Steam Deck, which allows you to stream like from the cloud. No, you actually need a console in your house to stream games to this handheld device. It's a remote computer. Not even that. It's almost like a tablet that is just mirroring your PlayStation because remote play is a thing that does exist. You know, if you have a phone, computer, what have you, the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 both have remote play built in. There is a PlayStation app you can download that basically screen mirrors your PlayStation from wherever you may happen to be. As long as your PlayStation is connected to Wi-Fi, you'll be able to, you know, on the go connect to your console and play games and there are some like input lag issues but i think they've started to like kind of work that out so this device would be geared towards you know doing that specifically and the interesting thing to me here is that you know because there is the existence of all of these other devices like i just mentioned the logitech streaming device there's the steam deck i know there's a a slew of you know third brand type streaming devices that exist out there that can not only do what this handheld would do, you know, do remote play off your console, but would allow you to use Xbox cloud gaming or even I know NVIDIA has streaming and you can stream, you know, through Steam, your PC games. This feels late to the game, late to the game and like a very limited device. And 
not only is it a limited device, but like you can already do this capability, you know, if you have uh, the razor, the backbone, you know, and you compare that with your phone and you can already kind of do this. So what I'm interested in here is what is the actual device going to be? Because right now this is just based on early reports. We don't know if, you know, maybe there is a bigger scope to this project. Maybe it will be able to natively run some games. Who knows? Maybe it will be able to support other cloud streaming services, though, you know, lately we haven't really seen Sony and PlayStation play nicely with other, you know, gaming brands. But what is like, I don't know if there is a place for this in the market. Sometimes I wonder if these leaks happen just to get like instantaneous feedback based on like where their development trajectory is going. And that hopefully they're getting it because this sounds silly. However, I think there is a potential market for what they're doing as like a side feature to say, so the PSP was fantastic. Then they did the the PlayStation Vita, which was like no one cared about. I don't know if no one cared about I mean, it. I think it has a pretty big cult following. But the PSP was like the OG and the best one. Mm-hmm. Now, in my opinion, maybe that's where this is. Maybe the leak was that there's capabilities to mirror your PS5, but the main controller is actually a PlayStation Portable where it plays its own games and its own things. And it just has abilities. Basically, it's a GameCube that can play Game Boy Advance, but it's the opposite. It's a PSP handheld that can also, as a sidebar thing, play a PlayStation 5. That, I think, would be sweet. And that would potentially like liven up this leak where it's like, oh, okay, they just happened to leak a addition to a console that's actually the real deal, no kidding, cool stuff. Yeah, because if it doesn't have the capability to do anything other than remote play and like basically screen mirroring your PlayStation console, I just don't know why you would spend money on this. And I felt like I kind of said the same thing with the Logitech handheld. And, you know, if you can't run games natively, I just don't know what stops people other than like the convenience factor of having like thumbsticks built into your tablet, like you can buy cheap Android tablets now. They're not that expensive. Well, you already said it. Get, get your phone and get the little razor attachment and you're, you're good to go. You've just saved hundreds of probably close. It's probably going to run like 500 bucks, honestly, with the way that the market is handing with all of these handheld devices. It's probably going to be a about $500. So why not just do that other option that does the same things and save yourself a pretty penny? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm just a little bit confused. I'm interested to see what the device actually ends up being. And even what the price point is, who knows, maybe this will come in at like $40. And then it does make sense. Like, if they manage to kind of undercut the market, and say, you know, you only care about PlayStation, you're only in the PlayStation ecosystem, you don't care about the other cloud streaming services, If they undercut the Logitech handheld by a significant margin and it's dedicated to PlayStation, like, okay, I I do see the benefit of, you know, freeing up your phone. Like if you're traveling, if you're on a plane somewhere, I mean, I guess it necessarily wouldn't work on a plane, but if you're like traveling somewhere and you want your phone to be free, it is nice to have a dedicated side device. I just think, you know, by knowing what's on the market right now, how versatile the other devices on the market are right now, you'd have to severely undercut all of those competitor pricing in order to make this a kind of attractive device otherwise i just don't know why you would buy this as an avid steam deck player do you foresee microsoft making the same handheld pivot or do you think that they're more kind of 
in the partnership realm with with being able to play Game Pass on Steam Deck, and they're yeah. just going to keep leveraging that partnership. You know, I've already seen Microsoft has had partnerships. Like, I know when you go on the Microsoft, the Xbox website, like, there's partnerships where you can get, like, the backbone and stuff like that for your phone that says, like, supported by cloud gaming. I don't necessarily think Microsoft wants to get in the game, and I could be wrong, of, you know, making their own cloud streaming device, because I think they kind of like what I just said, they see the market, they know that all of these other devices are out there. So unless you can undercut in terms of the price of the hardware, it's better to just be a partner in this realm. And even, you know, as someone with a Steam Deck, like I have paired up like you can very easily set up xbox cloud gaming on your steam deck and you know where i got the instructions for that microsoft yeah it was right on the microsoft website they basically detailed step by step how to do it and how to set it up so you don't have to go in the browser every time you can just go right from like the steam os and in your library have a icon for xbox cloud gaming and it pops up at the appropriate resolution the appropriate screen size all that kind of jazz so I think they're not probably interested in making their own hardware in this space, especially because I feel like time and time again, we see that the money is not really in the hardware, especially, you know, Game Pass right now is Microsoft's moneymaker. And even when you look at like PlayStation, when the new consoles come out, not that it's a loss leader, but they have very slim margins and maybe they do take a loss. And most of the money is actually in, you know, selling your live service, selling games, selling software, selling the peripherals and accessories. They're not making money on hardware. So I just find it really interesting right now. I don't know if PlayStation can make money on this device if they're not really undercutting the streaming competition. The only way that this kind of works is if it does run its own organic peripheral software that you can't play anywhere else. Yeah, I, I wonder why they wouldn't have done the same thing that Microsoft's doing with the Steam Deck or, and there might be exclusivity contracts, but they've, that's and that's why the I think the only path forward is exactly what I said, where they've already got a kind of a, a foothold in the handheld market and but it's not it's not as a as a streamer to the PS5 it's it's their own subset that's the only thing that makes sense to me and i and i and i always hate when i belabor the same point because yeah. but it is who i am and i and i just can't <laughs> i can't wrap my head around any other thing this just doesn't make sense as a standalone and microsoft's doing it right as it stands where they're working with the the other leaders who are taking the hit on their profit or or making a slight profit on their handhelds because even in the Steam game, where Steam makes most of its money is is in their extensive library of games that everyone's buying. It's not, and granted, the handheld is pretty expensive, but they're not making huge but not, profits there. The base level handheld, like the Steam Deck right now is coming in at $399, and they definitely have to be taking a hit on the hardware because for what is in the Steam Deck, and I know that it's 64 gigs of memory, it's nothing super crazy, but just like the capability of the Steam Deck, like I'm running Crab Champions on the Steam Deck and it runs Crab, Crab Champions. Champions. And it runs beautifully. I mean, Aragami I was playing runs beautifully. I haven't tried a whole lot of other things, but like even with Halo on it, I have, but that's through streaming. So a lot of the processing power is being handled in the cloud. But even like one of the things that's confusing too is PlayStation does have a streaming service like PlayStation now exists. And a lot of their library, like they have a lot of backward compatible games, PS2, PS3, PS4 games on PS Now. 
and they don't make it natively compatible with devices like the Steam Deck. There's like workaround apps that you have to do in order to get that on your Steam Deck. And it's, I don't know why they're not, you know, kind of taking the approach where they're going to partner with other devices, even if they know that they have this coming out, you know, if you have dedicated software for that device, why not just partner with everybody as well? So then the people who might not want to buy into your handheld, if they don't want to buy into another console like the PS Vita or PSP, and they just are solely interested in streaming, make your catalog very easy to access on other devices just for the subscription money. I don't understand. Their new slogan is going to be Sony doesn't play well with others. I guess we'll see, you know, like I said, this is very early reports. Maybe this device is going to be, like you said, will run its own games and will have dedicated games specifically for it. I think that would be cool. I mean, now I I know that, you know, graphics, processing power, getting rid of loading screens and stuff like that is a very important part of gaming and, you know, the AAA gaming scene. But I think there is something to be said about, you know, the handheld market and why the Switch is so popular and why the Steam Deck is so popular. People still want handhelds. You know, people are on the go and can't be locked down to their couch in front of the TV on the TV all the time. But you have to make it attractive. I mean, I've said this before. That's why there's been such a huge resurgence of like the old handhelds and like upgrading them and things like that is because for a while there was just Nintendo was the only player and if you couldn't afford the big clocky switch that's it so then the DIY community stepped up right well I mean even a lot of people that I know who are into gaming you know when you ask them you can only afford one console which one are you going to buy And a lot of the times the answer is the Switch. Because of its versatility. Because of the versatility. And people like people like to play in bed. People like to, you know, be able to sit on the couch next to their partner while their partner is watching Love is Blind and they can still play a video game. And then occasionally pop and go, what just said? Yeah. Like there is something to be said about, you know, handheld gaming. And I think that was lost for a while. I think we had like a decade of dark years. And only Nintendo was really playing in the space. If PlayStation gets back in with a, you know, handheld device that has its own software in addition to streaming, then I think it could be successful. Absolutely. So as it stands, like we said, this is all kind of leaked information. We don't know when we're going to hear more or if we're going to hear more. They might just kill the whole project because of all of this feedback. But we'll keep you guys posted as we do. And for now, we're going to roll right into a little bit of Stranger Things news. So, Stranger Things is getting an animated series. And the best part about this whole news article is, and I quote, the inspiration behind getting the series is to bring us back to the Saturday morning cartoon vibes. Bro. Guys. Yes. Absolutely. Like, they are just hitting the nostalgia left and freaking right with this one. I think it's gotta be done carefully because if they just redid the entirety of stranger things seasons one through five in cartoon form that would kind of stink but with it being animated they have the potential to really play into the fantasy side that these kids are in and their hobbies and things like that they can be actual like knights fighting these horrific like villains and things like that and really play into the beautiful fantasy realm that these kids live in 
as kids. And I think that it really like allows them to just flow into to the creative vibe that Stranger Things was really built upon was like, not only was it this horrifying nightmare on Elm Street vibe, but it was also coupled with these kids being kids, living their life. So, I mean, every single one of the the monsters and things like that had a tie-in, right, to their existing fantasies and their existing games that they played. And so they can really just take it one step further in the animated realm where it's not just like, if in the live action, it would have looked lame. It would have looked like a bunch of kids LARPing, and that would have been lame. Not that LARPing's lame, but it, you know what I mean. Like, it doesn't play, like, authentically in a TV show. Right. And to be able to do that in the animated where you can just kind of like flash back and forth between what we saw in the movie and then this one step further, it would just be absolutely fantastic. And I think it also helps broaden the audience for Stranger Things because I think in live action, a lot of the supernatural aspects are pretty scary and I don't think you would want a kid watching that. But I think that depending on how it's done in an animated realm, I mean, I look back on some of the stuff that we watched as kids, like Digimon, for example, and there was some... There was some... Yeah. Yeah, there was some dark and scary stuff going on in Digimon, but because it was animated, like, it wasn't that bad and it's not until you're an adult and you're watching it back that you're like oh wow that was a lot darker than i remember it being and so i think it can like really broaden the audience scope for the ip and the franchise in general especially since it's obviously like the live action show is winding down you know we only have one season left so you know this kind of keeps it going maybe expands upon it and maybe even you know you can explore a completely different take on it like maybe you're not following the story that we see in the live action at all maybe you have different characters and it's a different story in the upside down you know you you can do something so drastically different with it and have a different take expand the audience for the show and you know the ip is such a good story and ip in general that i think it could be really cool if you had to pick an animation style what style would you pick and keep in mind, we just covered Scott Pilgrim versus the World getting animated, and that was a pretty good animation style there. No, I don't want that. And maybe this would make it skew a little bit more adult, and I know we just talked about broadening the scope of the audience, but one of the things that Netflix has done really well lately, I think, is even their adult animation, and seeing something in the realm of like Arcane would even be pretty cool. I really like the animation style of Arcane. I can't wait for the second season of that. I know we are probably going to have to wait a little bit longer for that show to come back. But that is like the kind of animation style I think I would want or even something along the lines of like Vox Machina. And I know that's not Netflix, that's Amazon. But I like that art style. And I think there were even like when we growing up, if you if you look at stuff like Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff like it, would it trended to be a little bit more of an adult art style, but it still could resonate with kids. So I think something like that is what I personally would want to see. But I completely disagree. The animation style that I think that they should go for, and please just bear with me here, Adventure Time. Are you familiar with Adventure Time? I am, but why? I just, the way that I can see them portraying the various monsters that are in Stranger Things, I think it will just work. They'll have that both creepy yet goofiness about them. Whereas if you you did the, the animation styles that you just mentioned, I think they might be too creepy. And I think by keeping it kind of like goofy art style, you're able to toe that line of not just freaking kids out. But think about Yu-Gi-Oh. Honestly, like some of the monsters in Yu-Gi-Oh, freaking weird, man. Like I was looking at Yu-Gi-Oh actually fairly recently when you were working on your Game Boy upgrades. And I was just going through different like 
games that I wanted to play, seeing if there was like a Yu-Gi-Oh game, because, you know, I feel like handhelds are really good for a card game format and stuff like that. And I remembered, like, I don't know how I'm talking like this is a rabbit hole. You're going to follow me down. But there was a PlayStation 2 game called Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist of the Roses, which was amazing. And then I just started like going into like all the different cards in that game. And some of those cards, man, were really freaking creepy. Like they really were. If you look at the art and like all of that stuff was in the show as well. And I watched that and I was fine. It wasn't, it didn't scare me off of Yu-Gi-Oh! I mean, keep in mind, they literally banished people to the Shadow Realm, which is like, I mean, that show in itself was dark. So I'm not going to say, I mean, I still think that show might be too dark. Honestly, that style, that show, and I don't think it's winning your argument here. Like I said, keep the animation style simple, kind of dumb, kind of goofy. I think it'll resonate well. Yu-Gi-Oh! I think might have been too mature for us as we were kids and we were watching them. Nah. We, we were scarred. Look at I us. turned we're out up. fine. Look we're, at me. We are messed up. I'm a perpetual nerd. I turned out okay. Now I want to buy Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist of the Roses. Is there a way for me to play this on my Steam Deck and someone out there, one of you listeners, tell me how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist of the Roses on my Steam Deck? I do have a PlayStation 2 set up in our living room, actually, so I could play it on there. But I would have to like find the disc at my parents' house, which... Good luck with that. So there's no current announcement on when this is going to be coming out. They still have to wrap up season five, and then they're going to pivot some of the energy on that. But ultimately, this is a banger. This is a great idea. Get kids strange. Get them stranger and make them things. So that's my announcement to you. With that, we're going to roll into our short break. But before we do... As always, we have to make sure to give a shout out to our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen, you're fantastic. You help us keep the lights on and we love you for it. So thank you so much for being a night level within our Patreon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are great. If you want to be like Stephen, be sure to check us out on patreon.com slash online warriors. You can be a knight, you can be a page, or you can be a squire. Check us out. And with that, we're going to roll into our break. I'm Ryan Fonzie. This is Cameron Hagee. My name is Tony Giggles. And we're three dudes who love The Legend of Zelda and love talking about The Legend of Zelda. And if you are a Zelda fan as much as we are, then come on down and listen to your heart's content. We have a podcast that we'd like to share with you. It's called A for No, B for Yes. We cover the Legend of Zelda series, different games chapter by chapter, and we have all kinds of theories about what we see and what we've experienced in the game. Do you go through Wikipedia and look up stuff based on the things you see in the game to create theories to how it could link to other things in the world that we actually live in and not the Zelda one that was the one that was created by the people that are in the world that we actually live in right now? Because if you don't, then you should watch this because we do. Did you guys get all that? If not, oh, you didn't. Okay. So we are A for no B for... I'll stop. And we are back. So now we're going to talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. A new trailer dropped, and I am just getting more and more excited about this. We saw some interactions between Miles Morales and The Spot. We saw a lot of different other spider people, which was super exciting. And we saw a baby. 
we saw a baby Spider-Man or Peter Parker had a baby, which sweet. I didn't know that you could pass this down genetically. That's news to me. The comic book expert had no idea about this. So that's really exciting. I can't wait to see this. Are we seeing this in theaters? Can we see this in theaters? Oh, for sure. I think this is, I mean, we love the original. Through the Spider-Verse? Spider into the Spider into the Spider Verse. It was so long ago. Around around the Spider Verse. In out do the hokey pokey all about the Spider Verse. No, I loved the original though. It was super good. I thought it was a really different take. I mean, I have really grown into loving animations in general. I mean, I always loved like the Disney Pixar style animation, but I think other animation styles like this. Arcane, as we mentioned, Vox Machina. I'm really getting into animated things, period. I think they tell really good stories and they kind of have the ability to do things that, you know, live action movies without a huge, you know, special effects budget can, can't really do and accomplish. I'm very excited about this. I think even in this trailer, you know, we still retain some of the humor of the first movie. But as with the first movie, you know, there's kind of dark undertones, personal undertones. And I think we're going to get a very emotional story out of this. And the interesting thing here is that like Miles Morales kind of looks a little bit like a villain at points in this trailer. And especially obviously other versions of Spider-Man end up coming after him because he is kind of the villain. And I know that, you know, he will eventually probably turn out to be the hero but i think this is just a really cool take and we normally don't see the dark side of villains unless you're playing in the dc space but in marvel that's not really a thing that they do too often oh spider-man 2099 looked like the main antagonist for me like spot really just looked like almost like an inconvenience in this one oh i know i guess what i'm saying is like i think and this is my prediction for what the overarching story beat is going to be like spider-man 2099 is basically telling him like you have to you know let bad things happen and miles morales is like no i can you know save people and you know maintain universe continuity without things unraveling and i think he'll be a villain for a little bit because you're like oh wow he's being kind of selfish but then he's gonna end up pulling it off and then spider-man 2099 is gonna be kind of a bad guy maybe or maybe he'll be like pseudo bad guy and he'll have a redemption arc and i just think that's really neat I'm looking forward to this. Can we also talk about all of the different Easter eggs in just this trailer alone? We saw the the classic Spider-Man pointing meme. We saw various glimpses of the PlayStation universe Spider-Man, both Peter Parker and Miles Morales, which is like absolutely. We saw Spooderman apparently i missed that one but the twitter is like live with spooderman and i am here for it and then in the trailer we got direct reference to the mcu with the earth 1099 or earth 199999 that's earth 619 they're literally acknowledging the live action existence which holy cow that's amazing like oh they are they are just saying hey did you want this spider-man here sure you got it and they're just throwing the whole kitchen sink in i haven't seen reference to piter-man i saw we saw spooderman but no piter-man and i think there might be issue there with batman 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 either way i'm all here for it they're literally throwing everything that people would love into it and it's like yay it's absolutely yay I think this is probably one of the few things that pull me out of superhero fatigue. Like to me, and I think this is just maybe it's not superhero fatigue. And I know I feel like Illegal usually goes on this rampage every week about how he's just sick of it. 
And I, I really don't think it's like superhero movie fatigue for me. I think it's just like interconnectedness fatigue because this is obviously a superhero movie and I am here for it. I think it's just a unique and fresh take on the superhero movie genre. And again, I know it's animated, so it's slightly different in terms of like what they can do and what storytelling techniques they can pull out because they're not hindered by special effects budgets and stuff like that and, you know, real world physics. But this is something that I'm excited about. And I haven't felt excited about a superhero movie in a hot minute. So I'm excited to be excited. This also like... It doesn't allow itself to be a superhero movie because it pokes fun at a lot of the superhero movies. Like my favorite scene in the trailer, there was a scene where one Spider-Man is in like a suit and he's like, so tell me what brought you here. And he's like, oh, my my uncle, my uncle uh, Ben. And the the therapist goes, who's also Spider-Man? He died, didn't he? (laughs) It's just we all know the story. They're all like very similar on how they got there. And it's just poking fun at it and it just lets us take away from you know brooding superhero movie and it's more of just a hey you know it has superheroes but this is just going to be a fun ride so keep the trailers coming i cannot wait for us to see it because guys i can already tell you it's going to be an exciting rave review and without further ado because i feel like we both are just very excited and we don't really have too many criticisms of that trailer we are going to roll into what are you up to All right, so Tectic, I'll let you go first. What have you been up to this week? So in addition to the normal Easter holiday shenanigans, we watched a documentary, which like, holy wow. Guys, this was wild. We watched Stolen Youth. And this is a documentary about a group of college kids who one of them starts dating this girl and then they all end up getting a like apartment complex thing together and the girl her dad gets out of prison so she says hey can you just crash on the couch for a little bit he comes in he crashes on the couch and before you freaking know it he like brainwashed these kids into like following and doting on every single word he says and like started this almost like a cult and i don't want to spoil it for you guys it's 100 percent a cult by the way but like it's wild it's one, it's wild that all of the parents were like, oh, he seems like such a nice man to just live with my kids. Yo, he was way older than your children. What were you doing? Two, like these kids would then bring in other people and then they would almost instantly be brainwashed. Like how, how are people so naive and so vulnerable? And like, I get, you know, broken home, wanting a family type thing. But, like, there's, like, a little ounce of, like, common sense of, like, this is crazy. Don't trust this guy. Well, I think the part that was the most disconcerting. So this is, like, a three-part documentary series. There's three episodes. Each one's a little bit over an hour each. And we ended up staying up until, like, man, it was, like, two in the morning binging this. The whole thing. Because once we started, we were just, like, what on earth? And you, you just rolled into the next one. But after we finished, like... Our first, sucks. Well, our first initial reaction is just like, how could this have happened? But like in retrospect, when you're thinking about it, like impressionable young college students who were all kind of like 
a little bit lost. And then a friend's, a best friend's parent is suddenly there offering you advice and I mean, steak dinners, trusted adult figure, you know, you don't really think your best friend's dad is going to, you know, go out of his way to do some crazy stuff to you. But he also had like a crazy backstory that he was in the CIA. He was like Gorbachev's handler. He had picture evidence to try to like back up some of these claims that after like investigative reporters started looking into it, like may have been not completely true. But, you know, they thought he was this trusted figure. But the way that, you know, he was able to just mess with their heads to the point where they didn't even know what was real anymore. They were like confessing to things that they didn't do. It was just like crazy. He had sex with some of them. And like he, he basically had like a hair, almost like a small, tiny harem. And, and like, OK, so like if I'm the daughter, OK, that that brought this person in the second they start having sex with my friends, I'm like, yo stop get out of here <laughs> well, like the daughter like according to this documentary and i don't we didn't like dig into it much further we just watched it a couple days ago but the daughter seemed to nope out pretty early on because like he had this cult going for like a decade he managed to extort millions of dollars out of these kids he had them doing some crazy things it was just like if and you're into true crime at all or like interested in the psychology of cult at all like i think the thing that got me the most was that one of the people who was susceptible to him was a harvard and columbia graduate who was going to school med school for psychiatry and still managed to like kind of fall under his brainwashing spell and i don't know if that says a lot about his skills or what but it was just mind-boggling and crazy to watch the thing that was most wild to me and this is a little bit of a spoiler is so throughout the story as they sort of get some distance, they kind of break the spell, so to speak. And then they realize, wow, this was messed up. Okay. But the one, there's one person through it all. It like would not at the end of the end, would not plead insanity, would, would not say that they were impressionable and under his spell, so to speak. They were like, nope, I'm coherent. And they went to jail. Be, like, just you're crazy. Be crazy. <laughs> it was, it was nuts, man. And like I said, if you like true crime stuff, I think it just came out. I mean, it was released in 2023, so it had to have come out in the last three months sometime. Crazy. Called Stolen Youth. That was on Hulu. Definitely check it out. Interesting Abs watch. Absolutely wild. So that was like the biggest thing that just blew my mind. I, there's nothing else that's been on my mind since then. It's been just circling up in there. So I'm going to kick it back over to you, Nerd Bomber. So I have been continuing to play Crab Champions. I can't remember if I brought this up last week or if I was downloading it when we were on our break in the middle of the episode last week. I think it might have been the latter. But there is this game on Steam Early Access right now called Crab Champions. And if you are not familiar with Crab Rave, it's a viral video of basically CGI crabs dancing to this like house EDM techno type song. And it was all the rage for a little bit. And so the person who made that is a solo developer who then turned around and made a game called Crab Champions. And this, I think there were trailers for like a few years. It took a bit to come out because again, he is a solo dev. But essentially, it's a roguelike game where you play this crab and at the beginning of the game, you know, depending on what you have unlocked, there's I think around like 10 different weapons you can choose from. And, you know, they vary from like a blade launcher to a shotgun to an assault missile sort of thing rocket launcher lots of different variants and you are a crab 
And once you start the game, you are in basically arenas and you're working through arenas and you're you basically it's kind of like horde mode in any standard game or like zombies where you have to clear clear each arena and then you get to move on to the next one. But, you know, as you work through and clear the arenas, there's chests that you can open up to give you perks and upgrades. So, for example, you can have armor or as you are shooting at the other crabs and snails and slugs and stuff that pop up, it will also launch rockets or something like that. And essentially a standard roguelike then you keep progressing if you go through three different biomes which is a set of i think like 10 arenas or so each then you become a crab champion and you get a crown and it's cool time but i was actually very impressed with this game you know for under ten dollars because when it first released it was on sale i'm not sure if it still is but its base price is 10 bucks and so on sale i think i picked it up for eight for under eight dollars the replayability factor is massive the gameplay is very very smooth like the everything just feels great you can run you can dash you can dodge there's different enemy types different you know atmospheres and islands that you're playing on like some are just a standard island some there's lava there's different elemental attacks and buffs that you can get as you work your way through the game so every run feels fresh and there's you know because you unlock new weapons as you go there's stuff to keep you coming back and i think for me what like keeps me coming back is the fact that I can pick it up for 30 minutes to an hour. I don't have to worry about, you know, getting super invested in something. It plays very well on Steam Deck and it's just kind of dumb fun and I'm enjoying it quite a lot. So, you know, the developer is still rolling out updates. I think since it was released a couple weeks ago, there have already been a handful of updates that, you know, have changed things in the game based on people's feedback. It's just a fun time. You're a crab shooting other crabs in a roguelike game. It's good stuff. You know, it's just good stuff. I, I picked like it, it up and I can I can attest it is, in fact, good stuff. The one downside is something I learned recently about Steam. I always thought that if you can play like the family in, in the house Steam together and it, you can't if the other person is playing it. So Steam, if you can just make house games like playable for everyone, that'd be great. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. It does have, you know, four player co-op built in. So you could play this game if you all own the game individually and go through waves together. So it's good times. You should play it. Good times. You should play it. You heard it here first, folks. So with that, that is our episode. We don't have any tech tips. We don't have any illegals roost for you. Maybe Nerd Bomber has a Nerd Bomber. I don't have a slogan for you. It's either Tech Tip or Eagle's Roost. I think my only thing is go watch hockey because right now there are a lot of interesting playoff races happening right now in both the Metro and the East in terms of, you know, fighting for the wild card spot and fighting for a spot in the playoffs. This is the best time of year to watch hockey, guys. This is like playoff hockey is the best. I mean, all hockey is great, but playoff hockey is chef's kiss, high stakes, you know, high nerves that I will say that, you know, Tectic has never really gotten into playoff hockey before this year. And I know playoffs haven't officially started, but just like watching high stakes games, he's like on the edge of his seat. He's like, wow, I like, I don't know if I like being on the edge of my seat like this, but this is, this is it. This is the best time of year to watch. So get out there and watch some hockey. Kiss a chef and watch some hockey. We're going to roll out with that. Stay safe and keep on podcasting.